Truth, a bi-weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guy liner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lina. And today we're covering Lucifer, season one, episode four, Manly Whatnots. But before we get into the episode, of course, we would be thanking our lovely patrons. But since we're kinder recording these episodes very, very back to back, and this episode is being recorded before the second one even hit the waves for everyone, there are no new patrons to thank this time. We still love our wonderful patrons that have already signed up to support us and give us actual money just to hear us talking about something that we really love and prattle on, I might say, because let me tell you, the bonus parts are gonna get longer and longer and longer, probably. I do not know what you're talking about. Neither do I. We are very brief to the point. Even though this time it might be shorter, I have not prepared a single tangent this time. You say that now. I say that now. What I did prepare, though, of course, is my homework for the summaries, which are not fun or worth mentioning, rather. But... What is fun is that Germany still goes with their own titles. This title now for the third time in a row is a name drop by Lucifer with the Mm -hmm. manly whatnots. But this is not good enough for Germany. No, no, no. (laughs) The German title is The Caveman in Man. That's... um trying to figure out if it's very bad or very good. Both. It's probably (laughs) so bad that it's good. Yeah. The caveman and man. So basically the Neanderthal that men have inside them. Uh, Official summary is pretty much identical wherever we go. Doesn't matter if IMDb or Amazon. It's in an effort to get over his infatuation with Chloe, Lucifer decides that he must seduce her. Meanwhile, the two team up on a missing girl case and the man a deal confronts Mace about his concerns with Lucifer. I think seduction is a very strong word, isn't it? He tries to be charming and sweet. His seduction he doesn't work usually. I don't think it's actually seduction. I think it's just bluntly saying, oh, let's have sex. Well, he does try to follow the steps of the CKC because he's never had to actively seduce anyone before. But look, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Fun facts for this episode. Like I said, third time in a row, all the episodes except the first one so far have been taken from something Lucifer says. I'm pretty sure this is gonna continue. I took a glimpse at the titles of the future episodes. (gasps) Spoilers! Also, since we were so skeptical about the writing last episode, I looked up who wrote the last episode and who wrote this episode. This one is written by Ildi herself. Ah. So, yay. The last episode was written by Jason Ning, who has 10 more episodes written on his credits, Mm. as well as Jen Zhao. And that person is usually the story editor and has seven more episodes on their list. So they wrote it together. And we're going to keep... Keep an eye out on their repeat episodes if they're gonna be weird to us like the last one or different. Diplomatic, I like that. I can be <laughs> diplomatic if I try to. But this time it's written from Ildi and I did not have issue with the writing. I did not have any issue with the actors or anything. Yeah. I have a few logical questions, but uh, we're we'll gonna get, get to, to them. So with this, let's get to it. Scene. 
One. Do you have a name? Yes, I called it Always Shower With Your Gun. <laughs> yeah. So we started off with a song. The song is pretty good. As always, I find the names of the songs have some kind of a weird... What is the name? The River. <laughs> Because she's in the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy literal connections to the actual scene or some kind of a parallel or something. But in this case, a crazy literal connection. It's by the Darcy's and it's called The River. There we go. Let's get to the shower. Yeah, it's very literal. I didn't catch any of the songs this week, so... Don't worry, I got them all. All the pressure is on you. They're already on the playlist. Very good. What I did catch is that the gunshot wound is only visible when we get to see her from the back. The first two times we see her from the front, it's framed too high. We then later on see it, but it's interesting that it's a deliberate choice that they show her from the back and then we see the gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. They could have shown it before we have the focus on her face, but obviously decided against it. And I'm a sucker for shower scenes. I love the obligatory shower scenes. Be it men or be it women, I don't care. I love shower scenes. Tell me more. It's just, they're so often there and like in movies or in TV shows, it doesn't matter. It's always great when the shower scene comes up. I enjoyed them. Especially when they're well shot, because in this one you don't have the feeling that it was forced that they don't show anything but it was shot very very smartly so it felt natural as a lot of the things are on this show I found it interesting that obviously Chloe is not able to shut off her mind and is constantly thinking of Lucifer. Even in a shower. <laughs> yeah. Showering and doing nothing else. I find it interesting that what goes through her head are three specific moments. One of each episode. And all three of them are extremely violent moments of Lucifer or herself. And are also unexplainable things. All three flashbacks are the things that she cannot explain at all. Because she has her Her hypothesis with the hypnosis for his effect on people but she has not found a reasonable explanation for him getting shot and not being hurt and she has not found a reasonable explanation for him being able to push Ty's agent through the wall like that mm -hmm. and what was the second flashback The second was Jimmy hitting his head against the wall. But that was not Lucifer. That was Lucifer driving mad uh, Jimmy. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is that these are not the only unexplainable things that happened to her in front of her eyes. For instance, the one that was not technically violent. Episode two, when uh, Lucifer slows down time, plucks the bullet from a thin air and suddenly appears right behind her, even though he was standing in front of her. So that's a big one where she was trying to figure out what the fuck happened there. I have a question. Go for it. I mean, I get the episode reason because we want to play it as a joke. But when you're in the shower <laughs> and you hear something in your house and you have right next to your shower either a towel or the underwear that you just took off. Would you not put on the underwear instead of the towel to allow for proper movement? I, I don't know. I feel like towel is much quicker. How is wrapping a towel around you and tugging it in quicker than flop, flop, putting on a fucking panty and a fucking shirt that's lying right there? No, like imagine, okay, you get out of the shower. For example, I was taking a bath today and in the middle of it, My dearest sister shows up and tries to get into the house. She doesn't have the keys. I had to go open the door. And because I knew I was going to get back in there, I was not putting on my clothes. I didn't actually even dry myself. I just threw a towel on, walked to the door, let her in, went back to the bath. Yeah, but she pointed the gun in front of her. She was not planning on checking out the place and then going back into the shower. You don't know that. <laughs> Maybe she was. 
I would hate if she would have put on actual clothes. Okay, really? I'm not gonna put clothes on if I'm wet. If I think there's an intruder in my home, yes, I'm gonna put on something. I don't care! Either stay naked or put on clothes. Either do it right or don't do it at all and don't fuck around with a fucking towel that's gonna fall off at the worst possible moment. It's obvious. No. I disagree. I get the joke and I love that later on it gets played again and everything, but she's a cop. She's not gonna put herself in such a vulnerable position. She knows better. I disagree. That's okay. <laughs> Is it? Oh, thank you. I was a bit worried there for a bit. I respect your opinion. You're still wrong. <laughs> I have much bigger problem with her having a gun on her in her house while she's taking shower. She's paranoid. Yeah, she is. And that's my problem with her. Well, it has not been mentioned for quite a long while, but we do remember the whole Palmetto thing and now nobody likes her and she's a pariah of the department and everything. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you have to shower with a gun. Apparently for her it does. She's just... She's a bit weird. She is weird. I mean, I love her, but... I was very impressed that Lucifer apparently can cook. And from how the food looks... He can cook well. I mean, what else are you going to do? Look, if we are quarantined or the whole world is quarantined, everybody is sharing recipes. What are you going to do if you don't have nothing else to do? You're going to learn how to cook. But he doesn't have nothing to do. But what did he do in hell? Punish people, not cook leisurely. No, he learned how to play piano and he learned how to <laughs> cook. I'm pretty sure everything human-oriented that he learned, he learned when he came to Earth. Well, you don't know that, though. No, that's my assumption. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure he didn't have a piano in hell. I mean, yes, he obviously had fire down in hell, but <laughs> probably not food. Because why would you have proper produce in hell? It's hell, not heaven. Well, one, he could have used it to torture people. To cook well, to torture people. No, to cook well and make it smell really good and everybody would get really hungry and he would eat in front of them and they would not get anything. That's very Greek of you, but I don't think so. But I was very impressed because the last two episodes I was on the are we sure that Lucifer is even eating train? And this plays into my assumption that he can eat but doesn't have to. Yeah, I agree. So basically a taste thing. Exactly. He doesn't really need to do anything. He chooses to do it. Ooh, free will. Look at that. Good segue. My last note on this one is I feel kind of sympathetic for Dan because just put yourself in his shoes. You come home to your separated wife who's wrapped in a towel and you have freaking Lucifer preparing a ginormous, awesome smelling meal and you're just like, yeah, I can't compete with that. So I kind of feel for him and it's understandable that he feels threatened. But why does he have to be a dick about it? Because it's done. I hate him. No, I particularly hate him in this episode because he behaves like Chloe belongs to him. He behaves like they're still in a relationship. He has no fucking right to judge her on anything that she does. The thing is, we don't know anything about their separation yet. No, we know that they don't talk, that he is irresponsible, selfish, and he doesn't take care of his daughter as much as he should. But they're not divorced. But separated. I was under the assumption that they were on a break, not that they were done done. But I'm not trying to talk Dan up here. I can understand why he feels threatened. I do not understand why he chooses to deal with it by being a huge dick. Because he's Dan. Yeah, I understand that he's jealous because there is no way he can compete with Lucifer. At least in his eyes anyway. I don't think at this moment in anybody's eyes really. 
However, they do have history. They have a child together. And I understand that he might feel like he has a connection with Chloe that is being replaced by somebody that he doesn't trust. And that makes him act out. I don't like it. I completely want to punch him in the face. But I assume that that is the reason why he does what he does. Also because he's a dick. That's why he does what he does. (laughs) All right. The next scene is only 40 seconds long or something. So I only have very, very few notes. I have a song for this scene. Tell me. The song is called Chains. And it's by Rose Cousins. So somebody tied up maybe emotionally not really physically because we haven't seen a bit tied up but definitely emotional ties and people being tied together as in chloe and dan look at that i found it i'm gonna let you have it i actually do have a slight issue with this scene because it really really shows the self-centeredness that Lucifer is and does. Yes. The whole barging in, starting talking instantly, not noticing and not even caring that someone is really there. And also blaming his lack of effect on Chloe on Chloe. And that is why he does not have the effect. It's kind of low. Yeah. And I don't like it. I think he's just really upset because he's not used to this feeling that he's feeling. But we just talked about this regarding Dan. I get that you're feeling shitty. Don't act out and let other people suffer for it. Well, at least he's not complaining to Chloe. He is directing this towards... He does that later on. Are you sure you weren't hit on the head as a child? Yeah. No, the whole it can't be me, you must be wrong is something that I do not like in this episode. Scene three is the first part of the case and I am very happy because we finally get a case with no personal connection of either Chloe or Lucifer. I asked for this, it happened, it made me happy. Again, we're not going to the precinct. Dan is coming to Chloe to bring her a case. To her house. Yes. Why? Because of reasons. Because maybe we do not have the set of a precinct or whatever. But he comes around and he goes, the story is this. And I'm not happy that we have to use Lucifer. But it kind of makes sense because he is on the list and yada yada. So again, they're using Lucifer just like last episode with Ronnie. And I appreciate that Dan is being mature and reasonable here. And while acknowledging that it doesn't make him happy. Seeing that it is the best course of action to take. And seeing the need for it. When Dan talks about the case, he mentions that it's about the pickup artist event. And pickup artists are some of the worst, not even human beings on this planet. They're so so horrifying and everything they preach and teach and sell is disgusting. Mm -hmm. I have no words. You're not gonna get any resistance here. I absolutely agree. And for anyone not familiar enough with pickup shit, I have in my notes a link to a YouTube video where a wonderful, wonderful human being is reviewing the book by a pickup artist. So if you want to learn about this, I highly recommend checking out Dominic Noble. His channel on YouTube in general is amazing. He does book reviews and he's fucking brilliant. Cool. And he forced himself to read a book by a pickup artist and reviewed it. And he's suffering, but he does an amazing job. 
On to Linda. On to Linda. I find it fascinating that Linda seems to get a much better grip on uh, her feelings or urges towards Lucifer in this episode already. We've seen kind of glimpses of it before. It feels like she is getting over the physical urge to jump Lucifer. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, her iron will is growing and stronger and everything. So that's, that's really nice. Yeah. Well, that kind of poses a question if his effects on people, his powers, if they are as strong long term as short term. You're opening a can of worms with that one mm-hmm. because Lucifer pretty much implies that in this scene, having sex is the best way to lose interest. And if he's not interested, he's not turning on the charm, not actively. So then it's a very low effect like just the normal when he's walking and he passes people on the street and they turn but when he turns on the charm then it's very very different but does that mean that he has his charm on every time he talks to Linda I think as long as he was actively engaging in their deal it was part of what he was paying her with But we're already at the end of the scene. Let's start at the beginning. Lucifer says, why should she be able to refuse my charms? Last episode, the cannonball was not affected by him. If the cannonball was able to turn him down, then Chloe wouldn't be as special. So I'm very, very confused as to what happened there. But also, if everyone except Chloe is not supposed to be able to refuse Lucifer's charm, then it's super conceited of Lucifer that everyone always has to fall to his feet figuratively speaking and if they truly are not able to refuse his charm then we're now having the consent discussion because then there is no consent anymore if you have if you are not able to refuse i pose a question yes what is consent in a sense of and please let me finish because i know this is a (laughs) very touchy topic in this case what does lucifer do he uses his charms his powers to possibly create a certain maybe a chemical reaction even let me compare it to physical attraction amplified or falling in love. We do a lot of stupid shit when we fall in love or when we are attracted to somebody physically. We do shit that we would not normally do. And I feel like Lucy Powers amplified this feeling. And does that mean that if we fall in love or are physically attracted to somebody that we lose consent? I don't think it does. Uh, Wait, 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 wait. What you feel in yourself does not hurt the consent of the other person. But if you create a reaction in someone else that they have no control over basically by putting a drug into their drink be it a love drug so they think they're in love if we're in the magical realm or a fucking roofie so they have no choice then there is no consent anymore love potions in the magical worlds are not consensual yeah and basically if lucifer is not just overstating his effect with the why should she be able to refuse my charms? And he's actually correct with no one should be able to refuse his charms. Then he's a walking sex potion. Yeah, that's definitely one way to look at it. And then there's no consent. Yeah, what I'm trying to pose is that he is waking up something that is already there. If he's only amplifying things, then we're more in a gray area. But then, like I said before, for example, a lesbian woman would not be interested in Lucifer. But the thing is, then not everyone 
everyone is not able to refuse his charms. Basically, we're going to have to monitor the situation because if Lucifer is only bragging and not actually in the position to have his charms on literally everyone, then it's a different story. He is pretty good at the charm thing, though. Yes, but if it's only amplifying attraction and willingness and interest that's already there, because he usually goes, tell me you know you want to. Yeah. I think that's the bottom question. Is it him grossly overstating his capabilities and he is not irrefusable, but he only amplifies what's already there? Or is it the other side with he can get it out of everyone he wants to? The first bit would make more sense towards Linda's behavior as well. She is getting it out of her system regularly. And she's starting to see Lucifer as a patient and not a sex object. Exactly. While I found it very obvious that Lucifer was gonna misunderstand what Linda meant, it works so well. I love that she gives him really, really solid advice and he reduces it to... Oh, so I have to fuck her. <laughs> Yay. I, I really, really like it. I was glad that I was on board with how Lucifer got to that because I did not have the same feeling last episode. It was just very much of a leap last time and now I can understand. You can see the thought process, yeah. Yes, you can see how he got there. You can see the road. What I did not like is I praised the show in the last three episodes on its positive approach to sex. And now we're touching in a very very shallow area because casual sex does not mean meaningless sex and Lucifer's statement that having sex is the best way to lose interest in my opinion is a very negative view on the casual sex that Lucifer is having and as someone who frequently engages in casual sex no having sex is not the best way to lose interest it highly depends on the person you're having the sex with also I feel very very bad for Linda in this moment because basically he says this and then he doesn't pay in quotation marks and, and even with the thumbs up he gives at the very end it's just ah Lucy why why do you do this yeah that felt not good to me I have to say yeah it was weird the dynamic duo back together so yay because we talked about it the last time I paid attention to the passerby people <laughs> and the Marilyn on the street is very much into Lucifer but most most people just walk past Lucifer without paying attention. I would assume that this is due to it being too distracting if constantly everyone reacted to Lucifer. And so we only get the more visible people so that we know, ah, the thing is still on. <laughs> I adore how wonderfully obnoxious Lucifer is about him planning on seducing Chloe. And I actually appreciate that he tells her. But that's what he's always done. Yeah, but the whole Chloe thing seems new to him. So it would be understandable if he tried a new approach. But I very much appreciate his very upfront approach here even more. And I have to confess that I fucking laughed out loud when Chloe goes, when hell freezes over for Lucifer actually I can arrange that see he can do whatever he wants with hell it got rid of the bad taste from the scene before for me good the way Chloe handles the whole situation is very good as well yes in general she's doing fine in this episode I must say it was a very light-hearted scene and it helped alleviate the moment 
I find that we get the title card kind of late usually in this series compared to other shows. We're nine minutes into the episode already and those episodes are only 40 minutes long. And that brings us to a great song. The artist is called The Heavy and the name of the song is What Makes a Good Man. Of course it is. It's very good. I, again, have to appreciate their choice of music. And the song is very, very good and it's definitely their style. So they have to have somebody sitting on this day and night finding songs (laughs) that are not only really good for the series and they sound right, but they also correspond with the lyrics. And I love that. At least with the title. Basically, when you make a DJ set and you're trying to go for a certain theme, it's very hilarious. I've tried to do that in the past and sometimes it works really well and that it's great. I did not pay attention to the song because I was too busy being disgusted by everything. I absolutely agree. It's a gross place. It's dehumanizing and objectifying everybody there. And not just the women though. But what I really like is Chloe's You have never been rejected by a woman. And Lucifer says, yeah, of course not. And I like that she is aware of his entitlement in this whole situation. Oh, I think it's not that difficult not to be aware of it. Yeah, but she is aware why he is this obnoxious about trying to get her to flip. Because he is not used to rejection at all. The gay security guard made this scene bearable. He's one of the very, very few things in this scene that I enjoy. His face. And also Lucifer's reaction. It's like, oh, well, sadly, I'm busy, but... (laughs) Yeah, I love the reaction. You can tell that Lucifer just doesn't give a shit about gender or anything like that. He's just, yeah, let's have some fun. I mean, any other day, but sorry, I'm here with her right now. It pretty much sounds like, oh, give me two hours. I'll be back to you. Basically, come over to Lux and then we'll see. I really liked Tom Alice's performance in this. Yeah. Because in every moment, from the moment where he gets the name card until the very end when they leave, he has this air of slight confusion. <laughs> and disgust. And slight irritation. He, For me, at least how I read it, he is very much aware that this does not make sense. Yeah. So he's perplexed by it. Yeah. Because humans are so fascinating and interesting and everything. And he gets more and more irritated especially during that presentation which I love how it kind of grows in him and it gets more and more annoyed and he doesn't believe what he's seeing pretty much he literally says I don't think the plan works the conduct of kick-ass caveman I wish that shit like this was made up but those events do actually happen we had one not that many weeks ago in my town oh no And whenever those events happen, then some people get together and then they put out flyers in the bars and everything, warning that this event is happening. Because after those events, the attendees go out into the bars and try to use their new lessons. That's horrible. The thing is, even what we see in this episode is utterly disgusting. But when you read up on what pickup artists actually teach in detail, it gets so much worse. So, yeah, after the five fucking steps get described... Dumped as a shit. Dumped, yeah, you're absolutely right, dumped. We get the episode name when Lucifer finally has enough. Even though, let's be honest, his behavior 
and putting Chloe in the spotlight and everything is not okay. Even though it's entertaining, it's not okay. He's blowing the case. It's very, very selfish again. Yes, very self-centered as Lucifer has proven to be. My last note for this scene is... Lucifer fucked up so bad. He nearly broke this case. But at the same time, this is what he does. As we so far have seen, he just makes everything about himself and then he figures out how to make it work. But Chloe is so angry with him. Yeah, he takes credit in the end of everything, but he's the one who fucked it up in the first place. Yes. For the next scene, we're now at scene seven, right after the horrifying event. You do know me that sometimes I go for a freeze frame. Oh my god, is it happening? At 1558, Lucifer, or rather Tom Ellis, has a fly sitting in his hair, walking around. (laughs) Okay, 1558, everybody heard that, everybody make a note. And please, if you can find it, take a screenshot and tweet it at us, please. And then we send you stickers. Yeah, let's do that. If you find a screenshot and you tweet it at the Apple of Truth, yes, we will send you a sticker. Yay! Yay! You're welcome. I found it way too hilarious. I, like, I, I watched the series like, wait a moment, there was something. And I went back and I watched it in freeze frame mode. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. There it is. It's a fly! It's a fly! (laughs) I thought he had like a weird hair tangle, but no, it was a fly. Well, you heard it. It's 1558. 1558. Please give me all the screenshots. (laughs) I will go physically on Twitter myself to look at them. No! Yes, I do have Twitter now on my phone. I do like Lucifer's approach with Mm -hmm. just asking, hey, do you want to have sex? Yeah, it's fair enough. Because in my opinion, this is the best way to get proper consent. If you chat with someone and you feel like, hey, maybe there's something, why not go the safest and most obvious route? Hey, I'm kind of into you. I would like to take you back to my place for having sex. What about you? Because then there's no... Hmm, I'm coming back to your place. Maybe we're just fooling around. Maybe we're having sex. I'm not sure what I want. Maybe we're only gonna bring out Scrabble and drink some coffee. Exactly. But then there's no miscommunication. Yes. I find it interesting that Chloe is so emotionally invested into this case. Is it because of Dan going like, oh, imagine if this was Trixie from earlier or is it because she's getting chewed out by her boss or is that just her i think it's just her i think it's just chloe she gets very emotionally attached and she's like a little bulldog (laughs) she just bites in and she just doesn't let go and i think that's one of the reasons we don't know much about palmetto street but this would explain why she never let go and why there was an issue and why now the department hates her it seems very understandable Understandable that she got herself in a situation where she could not win anymore because she's so... She just goes after her goal. And I have a question. Yes? Lucifer asks Chloe that he talks to her boss. Do you think Lucifer would have been able to work his charms over the phone? I think he sure would try. He surely would try, but I'm very curious. I think, personally, that he is, in general, is a smooth talker. That he doesn't Hmm. need to use his charm or his powers in order to get what he wants. So I feel like he is quite capable of doing this over the phone and not necessarily use his powers. 
I always assumed that his powers are kind of always slightly on and he only sometimes ramps it up to 11. Maybe. He's always at a 3 or 4 and when he needs to, he can ramp it up to an 8 or a 9 or a 10. Yeah, maybe that. Well, we're gonna keep an eye out. Anything more or do you want to get into Maze and Manageal at Lux? The sexual tension... In this scene with Maze and the Manadeal. Ah! Yep. And it starts off so bad because Amenadiel, we talk about how Lucy is being self centered and arrogant and shit. Amenadiel is so much worse. Mm hmm. Sorry, at this point, I want to punch Amenadiel in the fucking face. Mm hmm. With a chair. He's so, so condescending towards Mace. How fucking dare he? With the little demon. Oh, before we get into hating Ames, I find it interesting that he shows up and Mace is still able to throw her knife before he slows the time. Does that mean that he is now at times moving around Earth without slowing the time? And maybe entering the human reality? Seems like it. Or... Ha, wait. This is with the pouring the drink and drinking it issue again. Did the knife, as long as it was close enough to her, move at normal speed and only once it got too far away from her, move at slower speed? Because when she holds it in her hands, she can cut him normally with it and they fight at normal speed because she herself is not affected. Mm. But like I said, I see what you mean, that he stopped time or slowed time only once she threw the knife. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a possible interpretation. Okay, now I'm torn because on one hand, I appreciate that this is the first time you gave me something that I would actually believe could explain the bottle. But at the same time, I really like the idea of a Menidil now walking amongst people in his man dress. Oh, his outfit is so great. It's so impractical for fighting, though. Oh, depends. It seems very tight. As in, it's like wearing long dress that don't really give. Well, he's fighting well enough in it, so it's not impractical for him. Well, he's a fucking angel, so... I really, really like the fight, but I have a question. When Mace throws the knife, later on it flies back to her. How? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Well, it's her knife. Can she move it back to herself? I would assume so. Telekinetically or something? Or is it a boomerang? Well, it is kind of shaped like a boomerang. Around. She threw it and he obviously didn't get hit by it. So is that why it came back? I was very much confused how the knife came back. I was amazed. I loved it. Amazed of maze. Yes, it did stop me thinking. It makes her more badass. And I'd like to think that it's her power. That would be amazing. Imagine Winchester boys having that type of power. Crowley should have that type of power. Pretty much my description of this scene is maze is the best because everything Maze does in this scene is simply amazing and then the fight engages and everything it's really well done and when Amanadiel puts her in the, in the arm lock the sexual tension exponentially rises and how she licks his face oh my god and his reaction to that it's so good he's so confused I don't understand how he's so confused and then she looks at him and goes, no means no, with that wink. Yes. Oh my god. 
and then she just leaves him and he stands there raising his hand to his face where she licked him and has this utter confusion in his face. Do you think he has never been hit on before? I'm pretty sure he hasn't. Do you think that he knows what sex is? Of course he knows what sex is, but... I don't think he has ever had the sex. The sex. Or has ever been interested in the sex. Well, something clearly moved in him. (laughs) So I really, really enjoyed this scene. And this scene is just over two minutes long. It's very short. It's so good. Yeah, the choreography is great. For the first time, they're showing us an actual, proper, amazing, fully choreographed fight. And it's great. I loved it. Yeah. And I love the fact that we are sitting here for almost an hour and a half talking about consent and then mace comes in and says no means no that's it no means no bye done that's it that's consent biatch it's perfect yeah all right let's get into naked lucifer we have another song i did skip a song beforehand but i, I just wasn't interested enough in it okay but, but it's still in the playlist right it is in the playlist this song is by the arcs and it's called stay in my corner Ooh. yes there you can read a lot into especially with this scene sometimes they are amazing scene names as well the songs yeah absolutely i call this scene though naked lucifer being very obvious this that's okay i'm not complaining when he showed up naked it's so perfect it's very good and i totally get his reasoning no absolutely it's fair it is absolutely fair and he didn't make a big deal out of seeing her naked and now he's doing the same so she feels more comfortable about the whole situation because he was fine but he saw that she was uncomfortable about it and this was the best way to balance it out for him now you're giving him too much credit to him uh, it felt like a best way yeah I think on the one hand, it's balancing the scales because Mm -hmm. he's he's a very, very fair type of guy. But also it's very much, well, I know how great I look. So also I'm already naked. Why don't you join me? Exactly. And his confusion on his face when she is not into him being naked is kind of adorable. Yeah, it is. I get that he's confused because I would also be confused in his situation. Looking like that and there's no reaction at all except please put on some fucking clothes. We get our first proper close-up of the scars. Yes, the scars are back! Sorry, it was in all caps. I had to read it that way. And they look great. They're really, really well done, I have to say. When she tries to touch them, when he turns around and she tries to touch him and he flips back around and catches her hand Mm -hmm. and he goes, don't, please. There is such vulnerability in his face in that moment. It's a very, very painful moment. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, this is the first time we get a glimpse at the actual depth of Lucifer Mm -hmm. because he seems to be not comfortable at all with sharing or displaying genuine emotion he can do funny and quippy and everything he can even deal with anger because that is part of who he is supposed to be but being vulnerable is not part of the Lucifer brand Mm-hmm. And I actually would be surprised if he has ever been vulnerable towards Mace. So those few seconds, because that is not long, give for me the depth that I was waiting for 
for this show to have. Don't get me wrong, I like being entertained and have quips and everything, but I need substance. And here I get my foreshadowing of this character has more to it than just be sexy and entertaining and a freaking angel. This was the moment where I got on board on the show. Okay, so this is the moment when I talked about vulnerability. (laughs) It's a word, vulnerability, before I wanted to get to this. Because my first question to myself was, well, when he's so sensitive about the scars, he gets naked with people all the time. So how come nobody ever brought them up before? And then I thought about it a little bit more and this whole power thing that he has, the whole Lucy power, the whole charming people, having sex enjoying your life it feels like this is all to get rid of the attention to put the attention on something else and not really dealing with your feelings it's a facade yes and his power is strong enough that he will go out of his way to make sure that everybody is getting what they desire so they don't pay attention to him to his body to his mind so he's basically objectifying himself yes that's not healthy it's definitely not healthy and this is i think why chloe phases him off so badly because she doesn't see the charm he cannot distract her yes she sees him or rather she now sees him for the first time for real but she had the potential to see him which basically yes and it terrifies him but i want to add on to this i still think that lucifer is very much a connoisseur of enjoying life oh yeah for sure even though it's not healthy to be putting up a facade and everything but so far the only person that is relevant to him is mace and we don't know that much yet about their relationship but we do know that she said to chloe that she followed lucifer through the gates of hell to earth so there must be some kind of deeper connection otherwise why aren't there not more or why did she follow at all so yeah i think we're gonna have to come back to this in the future and keep an eye on when lucifer is being distractive when he's genuinely enjoying himself and when he's being genuinely himself i just wanted to really point this out because it was a very strong moment and it's something that you did not expect it's very light until then and then there's just this split of a second and everything changes and it's ah it's so strong honestly it all only works this well because of the delivery by tom ellis of the don't please obviously yes but it's so amazing those two words with that facial expression in that moment it gets me every single time for me this was the turning point where i got really into this show the first three episodes are nice enough that i was like yeah i'm gonna finish the season but this is where i got hooked more notes or next yeah we can move on to the party so in this scene we have chloe wearing this amazing dress so good it's this beautiful red dress she looks amazing in it and it's great it works on her and as a bonus thing we get to see the front of her gunshot wound i did not notice there would be the back of it at this time i don't think we see her from the back in this scene yeah i don't think we did but we see the front of 
it and it just confirms the fact that the whole injury that she suffered was through and through where it was exactly placed I don't think we've seen the scar before it's made prominent with the color of the dress which strengthens the redness of the wound and also it shows us that while some time has passed between the first episode where she got shot and now mm -hmm. still not that much time has passed it kind of gives us a little bit of a timeline even though I do not know the timeline me neither so if any of our listeners is a doctor and knows how long <laughs> it would take for a gunshot wound to look like this for through and through shots to heal to this stage yes yeah. send us a DM or something because I'm really interested now and that's pretty much me on the party it's really really good to see that when Lucifer confronts Carver when he pulls the gun he does not make any move to take the gun away from him he just lets Chloe do her thing he distracts Carver by talking to him and basically being ooh I'm immortal oh, you can't shoot me but he in no way interferes with letting Chloe be competent I like that about Lucifer he has no macho desires in that regard and I have to say I did not see it coming that the pickup asshole was gonna be like not the bad guy not the bad bad guy I mean he's still a bad guy but he's not the bad bad guy yeah he's not the main villain yeah I, I was surprised at that I was watching this episode and I was thinking of you and your hatred of easy villains yeah I was satisfied this time or which is funny well clearly Elde knows what she's doing so absolutely but when I did my research before watching the episode for my notes I checked some of the reviews on IMDb and while it still has an 8 point something rating in total of the actual written reviews there are several really really bad ones those pretty much agreed that this is the point where they decided to stop watching Lucifer which I found very interesting that's interesting yeah because for me the last episode was the weakest of the first four and this episode is back on the level that I came to expect from the pilot so I was very surprised at that after party uh, after the party not after party sorry we, we already were at the after party haha <laughs> no we're after the after part we once more get no blinking during Lucifer using his powers and again Chloe only starts talking to him after Lucifer has done his thing which makes perfect sense because even though she doesn't understand it she has realized that it's working really well so she's not interfering with it I really like this what I find very irritating and it fits with all my other issues throughout the entire episode is when Lucifer talks to Carver you had repeatedly sex with her and did not tire of her Dude, even in hell, the concept of true love or happy long-term relationship, it should not be an abstract to him. He should know that it exists. I know it's the whole point that in therapy he misunderstood Linda and thought sex was going to be the solution because meaningless sex makes you get tired of the other person. But it fell flat for me. I get that it's most likely the point. I think it was mainly towards the fact that he expected him to be the player the front that he presents is fuck him leave him yeah but he's intrigued by that uh, humans are fascinating yada yada oh yeah it's because I feel that that was more about so you're pretending to be this heartless fucking dick and yet you fall in love he doesn't word it that way but I think that's where the fascination comes from as much as this is irritating me just as much I fucking 
loved the moment when Lucifer simply calls the kidnappers. Hey, what's up, dudes? It's so good. It's so Lucifer. It's so much in character and it's so well done because Carver shows the picture and he just puts the phone to the side and he's distressed enough that I ac accept that he's not locking his phone again. And Lucifer just takes it and calls it. It's so good. <laughs> and with this, we come to the big showdown and surprising twist scene. To the rescue. Showdown and surprise. <laughs> Scene 12, big showdown. One of my favorite moments in the entire episode is coming up right now. I'd say that's pretty much where I got hooked. That moment where they're sitting down and they're having a chat. And at one stage, they start talking about fear and good and evil and right and wrong and what Chloe does and does not believe in. So she's talking about good and evil and right and wrong and what she believes in. And it's very easily identifiable with, yeah. I think, especially in this world. And it's a very big moment in their relationship and the twist where Lucifer looks at her and asks her if she's scared of him and she thinks about it it's not a mindless answer she thinks about it and then she says no and I think that this is for him for both of them it's a big big step towards becoming friends or building up whatever is there whatever is happening there getting a proper connection with each other because he's very used to everyone who believes that he's the, he's the devil being afraid of him yeah or desire him or desire him and she she now does need so they are driven, everybody around him is driven by fear and desires. One or the other or sometimes both. They're not really being themselves. We, I think we can agree on that. But what I find interesting is the scene is set up really, really nicely. Because they're sitting in the car and Chloe is restless. And Lucifer goes like, oh, just 10 more minutes. Because he has no problem apparently waiting suddenly. Because so far he struck me as kind of an impatient person. But apparently now when Chloe is even more impatient then he can deal with it. To him it means that he can spend more time with her. I like that she is already stating that something feels wrong. Her instincts once again proving that she is really really good at what she does. We see Lucifer eat for the very first time. What I don't understand, except of course for storytelling reason, but rationally, why not simply cut Lucifer? Give him a nick with a knife on his arm to prove or disprove that he's invulnerable. Well, he asked her to. Yeah, and why doesn't she do that? Because I think at this point she doesn't 100% believe that it's true. And until the later moment where she shoots him. But in theory, when someone tells you, Vero, when someone tells you, hey, yo, girl, I'm invincible, nothing can break my skin and you go I don't believe you and that person goes well how about you cut me then wouldn't you try it I see where you're coming from but I think that is a big factor I think she is in so much denial she is afraid that this is true so she's not gonna do it because it would mean that the thing that she is afraid of is correct so she's a river in Africa and that's why she's not willing to do a proof of concept okay Lucifer later on winds her up enough so she actually gives in and tries. It's all very emotional. I fully agree with you on the connecting moment between the two of them. I like that Chloe is 
explicitly not an atheist as in I don't believe in anything. I believe in something but not in a pre-written version that is just supposed to make me scared. I very much like that because this is basically in, in her belief system there is good and there is evil but there's no hell apparently which I like. She more or less states why should I be afraid of something that I don't believe in which I like very much and it also fits very much with her behavior and her conviction as a police person to have this strong belief in good and evil. What is very well done, in my opinion, is Lucifer locking Chloe out of the building. <laughs> yes. Thus proving that he did not lie to the kidnappers because he's coming without cops. The cops are still outside. <laughs> so I really liked it. I find the back pulling when the kidnapper tries to pull the money bag out of Lucifer's hand. <laughs> it's so good. Because Tom Ellis is not moving a muscle. He's just standing there, lightly holding holding the bag and the dude is just like scrambling to get the bag and it doesn't work and it it's hilarious I love it it's so good <laughs> but this is also the latest moment the brother should recognize Lucifer and know that the police are probably kind of close I think he recognizes him but I don't think he connects it so he's definitely stupid <laughs> yes I like that I like is wrong I think it's very well done that Chloe here gets a proper glimpse of the devil face. It's subtly enough that she can chalk it up to imagining things, but it's also done well enough that it's hard for her to argue against it, which in my opinion, is also what drives her to actually believe him enough to shoot him in the leg. So I think it's, it's very, very well done that Chloe sees this glimpse. It's too much to just ignore it, but it's not enough to be 100% sure. And I think this is like the final drop to make her believe enough that she actually shoots Lucifer. She believes it until she sees the blood on Lucifer's hand. Yeah. I think this is so well done. I mean, Tom Ellis plays this so beautiful with like, yay, finally. Oh, actually, what? Oh, no. <laughs> so it's, I really, really enjoyed this. And I think it's set up very, very well. And Lucifer, the display of confusion about feeling pain and bleeding is a bit similar to the same face that he made at the end of the last episode when Linda told him that he's seeking justice for the good ones. And I think it's a very powerful scene. I think it's very well done. But I feel that you answered my feeling that I wasn't sure about Lucifer's projecting and thus is going so much overboard. Yeah. Thank you for giving me an answer. I didn't properly phrase a question to. <laughs> That's okay. Give us another 20 episodes and we're, we're gonna be... By the end of season two, we're probably gonna be just one melded person brain. I like the, the close-up of the entire showdown scene with the cops arriving and taking care of everything and we see Lucifer talking with someone and Chloe her face expression is very very obvious that this is not good she is very worried and as she approaches it you hear Lucifer say something Lux on first days is themed more like 70s and 80s and I know we said this before I really want to go to Lux <laughs> I missed that. How did I miss this? It's not subtitled in that moment and it's very, very quiet. But you know me. I go back and forth. 
And also we get some very, very important information by Lucifer covering for Chloe. Do we detect jealousy or where does the disgust in Chloe's face come from? I did not detect jealousy myself. Where Where is her disgust coming from? I think that she has seen so many women reacting to Lucifer a certain way that she is just getting fed up with it. Ah, <laughs> uh, not again. <laughs> So I, I wasn't faced with her reaction at all. I didn't see jealousy or anything like that. It was just... All right. Anything more on this really, really well done scene? No, no. I think we talked through everything. Because now we're at the penultimate scene. And I'm pretty sure you have notes because it's Trixie time. It's Trixie time. So why I love Trixie so much, again, is... That she is, one, she is very bright and mature for a seven-year-old. Not that I come in contact with many seven-year-olds, but she seems very smart and mature. And she always comes in with the right questions. She's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. She immediately calls Chloe out on the blood on the t-shirt. She just doesn't take any bullshit. And she asks about Chloe liking Lucifer and... Is that the reason why she shot him? Which is very much, we are, we are given this narrative our whole lives that if you tease each other, you like each other. Yeah, I'm very much over this narrative. You get this narrative when you're a child and then over the time you kind of grow into complicating things more and more and more. And I appreciate the simplicity that... Trixie brings into the episode and how fine she is with everything. Even at the beginning, she just walks and is like, oh, did you guys have a have a sleepover? Yeah, no worries at all. This is happening. I'm fine with it. Lucy, give me a hug. I'll show you my collection of baby dolls. I agree with you. I find it hilarious that Trixie goes, you shot someone again. So yeah. Last scene. Mazakin. I'm guessing you have some notes. <laughs> For me, this scene is... Maze is still the best, obviously, but Lucifer is very much intrigued. For me, Maze now drawing an actual line at Lucifer being hurt is life. This is the character of Maze. You go, you have your fun, we're enjoying ourselves, we're doing stupid shit, and now she perceives actual danger for him. And she is not there for it. This is it. And Lucifer's the fun has just begun is egotistical and problematic but while being both it is also very understandable because truth be told this is most likely the most entertaining and thrilling thing that has happened to him since he fell from heaven so it fits with the very very arrogant and egotistical persona that lucifer is projecting but before i go into my f my conclusion do you have anything for this scene before we General thoughts on the episode. Go. Okay, I very much enjoyed this episode. It was a really good plot twist. We didn't get enough Linda. Trixie was used to get some really fun questions across. As I mentioned just now uh, about the sleepover, calling out the blood, telling Chloe that she shot Lucy because she likes him. And we, most importantly on this episode, it was that we got more of the Lucy powers. And, and I'm going to use something that I have never done before. I'm going to use a ship name. We got more Deckerstar. My conclusion is I'm very happy I got what I asked for in the case that we now finally got a case without an actual personal connection. I was very happy that contrary to last time where a complaint about the side plot 
taking up too much time. This was much better. The side plot didn't feel in the way. It fit organically into the episode. And we got enough time with our side characters. Because we get quite a bit of Maze, we get a bit of Trixie, and we get Linda. So we get all three of them. And so I was happy. For me, I, I mentioned this before, the emotional moment with the scar touching hints at several things for me. Most importantly for me, his persona being a projection and superficial. And that his actual being that he is, is not just the pretense he puts on and not even just the, the devil face, but that he's far more complex than sex, drugs and playing the piano. Although that's fun as well. It, it's an entertaining persona, <laughs> but the question is how much of that projection is part of him and how much is facade. And when Lucifer got shot and realized that he's now apparently not invincible anymore, he said, what does it mean? This is a very interesting question that he poses and I'm very happy that now it's starting to get going. The third episode was very much case of the week stuff. There was no relevant progression for me. And now we have actual plot progression for the meta plot and I'm there for it. Yay! That's it from me. I just want to remind you everybody to tweet out the fucking picture. The screenshot. <laughs> screenshot the fly on Tom Ellis's hair at 15.58. Yes. So that's my reminder and that's it for me. And so I say thank you all for listening. If you want to keep in touch with us, you can do so via Twitter. At the Apple of Truth, one word. Or Instagram. At T-A-O-T Podcast. We, of course, also have a Facebook page and that can be found under both names. Our episodes can be found on both Spotify and iTunes. For those of you who want to know if there are other ways to get involved besides telling all your friends to listen to the show, find us at patreon.com slash podcast. Bye! Bye!